church. How's everybody doing? Good to see everybody and everybody enjoying the 32 degree weather. <laughs> Makes you want to hit someone. Oh wait, I, that's football season, you know, like you want to hit something? No, go tackle someone today. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, that's the, that's the weather we're talking and that's good stuff. Good to see everybody. I love being able to come up here and just talk. I'm a talker. I like to talk. I like to talk with you. So thanks for joining us. If you're online, thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us. Today, I get the opportunity of kicking off a new series called Phantom Hope, the masks we use to hide our hope. Sounds interesting, right? Yeah. Well, today, or actually each week, we're going to take a topic or a couple of topics, and we're going to talk about the masks we use to kind of hide from actual hope and have phantom hope. And so we're going to talk through what it looks like for the masks that we use to hide from these topics, as well as we want to land the plane each week with saying, how are we finding true hope? Sound good? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, I'll take you there. Well, today I get the topic, this is so fun, okay? This is the fun topic we have here of pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just so you know, we use something around the church called the Enneagram. Uh, if you don't know what that is, we've talked about it. We've had it in sermons. We talked about it on our podcast. We continue to work through it on our podcast. If you have any questions, let us know. But basically, the Enneagram is a spiritual formation slash personality test. And it helps us kind of figure out more of what, who we are and what's happening and maybe the pitfalls in our life. But for me, I'm an Enneagram 7, also known as an enthusiast. I get excited about things. I love to eat. Okay, several things in my life, I get very excited. I'm like a little kid at times. I love to be excited. I'm an enthusiast, okay? I might hit you a little bit too early this morning, but I'm an enthusiast, okay? Love it. So with that, also known for the sevens, they literally run from pain, <laughs> okay? And I get to talk about pain this morning. How's that? That sounds like a blast, right? Something pumped, get excited. You came to church, you listen for pain, <laughs> okay? That's where we're headed. Just so you know, like growing up, I had problems with pain. I, I was one of those kids that when you had to get a vaccine for school, you'd go into the doctor's office and the nurse is about ready to give, like pierce your skin with that needle. I would become so talkative. I just wanted to divert the whole process. And the minute she brought that needle out, I just felt I'm going to ask all the questions I have right here, right now. Anyone with me? Anybody do that? Yes, let's stop this right before you pierce my skin, okay? Not a fan of that. Even a little bit later, I was driving uh, or riding my friend's bike in an open field. And I hit with the front tire this hole in the ground, and I flew over the handlebars. I landed on my left shoulder directly on the ground so hard that it dislocated. I stood up, didn't know what was going on. I just ran to my friend's house, okay? They ended up taking me to the ER, and they come to find out I dislocated my shoulder. I had my uh, shoulder bone, like, purged on the rotator cuff. So they decided to give me a shot in my butt <laughs> in order to fix the problem, okay? I got so worked up over the shot that when I was getting the shot, right before I flinched, my shoulder went back into place. <laughs> Sometimes avoiding pain helps, okay? <laughs> but you're listening to a person who has extremely low tolerance of pain, okay? Me being bored feels painful. Being bored, I feel pain. Even in church, I grew up going to the church, 
in church, the sermon bored to death, like some of you today. <laughs> I'd play the dot game. Anybody play dot games? You have dots on a page all over, and you take turns with somebody drawing squares. Yeah, I'd do all that. There was one time even in college, I won't say names, but one pastor in particular I wasn't fond of, I would come in and sneak a book in my Bible so I could read something interesting while he's preaching. Some of you are doing that today. <laughs> if I was a kid with my phone like today, I'd be all over the place. Boredom feels like pain to me. Well, this is the first time I've actually been able to do a sermon since my sabbatical this summer. And I just wanted to say thank you as a church, faith church, for your commitment to help people find rest. Create space as we've talked about finding rest and living love. Truly, you have modeled that for our staff. And this summer, I was able to take a sabbatical. Well, I decided to kick off my sabbatical. This is the first time ever taking a sabbatical, so I usually go in. I'm an enthusiast. I'm going to go all in. So guess what I did at the first part to kick off my sabbatical? I did a three-day silent retreat. Yeah, your response lets me know, okay? Yeah, you're with me, okay? Silent retreat, okay? No phone, no technology, three days. I get to this retreat. I actually, I grew up in the Catholic church, so I was comfortable with going to the Catholic diocese. They were going to kind of host this in a place in DeWitt at a retreat center. And I went there, and we met everyone. There's about 40 people. We turn off our phones. We get to say hi to everybody, and then we kick off the weekend, and we're like, done talking. Weird experience. Weird. Challenging. I don't know if you've ever been into a cafeteria. Where there was a cafeteria there. All 40 of us would go in, get our food, go sit down. No words. Weirdest thing ever, I'm telling you. So my imagination starts going wild. I decided to, uh, we all had name tags, and I got to know Anthony in our silence, okay? I sat across from Anthony every time we ate a meal together. He was this guy that had a pocket protector for his pens. He had a cell phone clipped to his belt. He was prepared for any situation coming his way. You know that, right? He just had everything covered. Even the way he ate, clear order. He had to be in the military at some point, okay? There's just something about him. So I decided to give him a nickname in my head. I sat next to Eagle Scout Tony. <laughs> That's what I called him, Eagle Scout Tony. And so him and I had lunch together and dinner and, di and breakfast, and it was just refreshing. Odd experience. Well, we had mass every day. I don't mind going to mass. I actually love it. I grew up kind of, it's just an interesting experience, something different, outside the norm. And one time I was in mass during prayer, just getting prepared for what was being take place in, in the service. And I really distinctly remember God just putting something on my heart. It was this thought. God put on my heart that you carry a lot of pain. You carry a lot of pain. The minute that kind of came to the surface in my spirit, I got defensive. No, I don't. No, I don't have any pain. Everyone around me does. I started going through all the, this person has pain, this person, all the scenarios. But I don't have pain. There's no pain in my life. So I started wrestling. And it really just came to the surface. And it took like this silent retreat, this 
experience to kind of bring that. So I was prepared to maybe handle that pain. But I want to talk to you about that today. And I thought it would be nice to start off with the masks I use to avoid the pain. So I thought of a list. Here's just some lists I use to avoid pain at all costs, okay? One of them is humor. I love to be humorous. I love, to, I love humor. I love to make fun. I love to tease. I love to, uh, I mean, Becca, she's in the room, and she's been super busy. I surprised her in our bedroom recently with an uh, astronaut that projects stars and a galaxy on her ceiling in our bedroom, okay? Didn't tell her. She's just so busy. She's been gone. So I uh, got this, got it all set up, turned off the lights, and there's the galaxy. She comes around the corner cackling, okay? <laughs> it was just like, who does that? You know, I love anything to avoid the pain, humor. The empty room. I call this the empty room because there's something in me where my body kind of conflicts with pain. That in, in something in me that I can look into this room and it's all empty. There's no pain in this room. But if you take time and look around the corner, you'll see a pile of stuff. I don't know if you do that. I do that. I trick myself. I call it the empty room. I also do comparison. Well, at least I'm not in that person's shoes. At least I haven't experienced that. At least I haven't gone through this loss. At least I haven't done this. At least I'm, everything, oh, we're good. Uh, at least this hasn't happened. Some kind of comparison. It's another mask I use. I also use I'm fine all the time. How are you doing? No, really, how really are you doing? I'm fine. I was challenged once that fine is not an emotion. It's a texture. Think about that. It's not. But it's a mask. I use it all the time to avoid the pain in my life. Problem solver. I tend to try to problem solve everyone's problem. Everyone else except mine. I tend to direct that. My, all my time and energy, and I will thoroughly enjoy helping you find your solution while avoiding mine at all costs. Uh, another one, while being a problem solver, I tend to talk more than listen. It's a sign that I'm avoiding my pain. I will try to talk to control where we go instead of actually having the attention on me or listening is opening control. So I tend to do those things. And then the last thing for me as an enthusiast, I love to stay busy. I love to jump from one thing to another and it's all fun. I would love to go from fun thing to fun thing to fun thing. Sounds probably ridiculous to some of you. I love that. And it's another mask I use to avoid pain at all costs. I don't know if you can relate with some of those. I don't know if you have those in your life. There's several others. Those are just, at the top of my head, a list. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Our common ground problem, though. The pain of avoiding our pain is greater than facing our pain. The pain of avoiding our pain is greater than facing our pain. Avoiding masking pain equals phantom that's the part we have to wrestle with. If we truly want hope in our life, we can't mask our pain. And it's weird because our society and culture does not operate that way. We want to be independent. We want to avoid things at all costs. We don't want to show people our weaknesses. But guess what? That equation equals phantom hope. So I thought through, what would be some examples in scripture that could help us? Unpack this more, go a little bit deeper. The pain, the idea of pain is a big topic. It's like writing a, a 
a paper on animals. You know, like it's a big topic and it, it touches a lot of different things in theology and philosophy. Things, major people that ha- are much more smarter than I am have wrestled through this idea of pain all through the years. We have books of the Bible designated like Job, banked in the wisdom literature. It's focused on this. So this might just be one of, just a starting point for us talking about pain. But I thought the, the story that came to my mind was actually Jacob wrestling with God. If you've ever taken time to read that story, it's really actually mysterious. I love mystery. I love to get into the mystery of the Bible especially. And Jacob wrestling with God, if you've taken time to listen or read through that or sit with it, it's just, it's a crazy, bizarre, weird story. And to give just a little bit of a context, Jacob had a brother, older brother, and Jacob decided to manipulate his father with getting the blessing, the favor, the anointing of God, which his father was going to pass on to the eldest. And he decided to um, fake uh, or to manipulate, to trick his dad because his older brother was hairy. I tend to look for hairy stories. Trying, trying to joke there, you know, trying to lighten the mood here a little bit. So he manipulates the whole situation. He tricks him, tricks his brother, tricks his dad. He ends up getting the anointing, the blessing. 20 years go by, a significant amount of time. Jacob has a family, he has wealth, he has possessions, and his brother, older brother, decides to come visit him. And he gets word his brother's on his way with 400 men. They haven't talked 20 years. So, like anyone, Jacob's scared to death. The night before he meets with his brother, face-to-face after 20 years, he has this encounter. I'd like to read it with you. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, so Jacob went left, was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. What some people don't know, Israel actually means someone wrestling with God. Jacob said, please tell me your your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Penel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. What do you think of that? Bizarre? Weird? 
so who here has wrestled with a man throughout the night? No, 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 don't answer that. <laughs> Poor question. You can have some fun with it, okay? Uh, I don't know if any of you have been wrestling, okay? I, I don't need to know. That's uh, your, own, your, own, your own business, okay? It's hard to come back from that one. You know? <laughs> Here's the thing. We may not know what it's like to wrestle with another person, but I promise you, everyone in this room knows what it's like to wrestle with your pain. I know that. We know what it's like to wrestle with our pain. And so if we can just look at that for just a moment, here's some thoughts from the story of Jacob wrestling with God concerning our pain. It's, it is okay to wrestle with our pain. By wrestling with our pain, we can better understand it. It's important to acknowledge our pain and not suppress it. Jacob refused to give up. Jacob's name changes, change symbolizes his transformation and growth through his pain. Just like Jacob, when we encounter pain, we can choose to confront it, persevere through it, and allow God to transform us. I don't know about you, but just reading those thoughts, sitting with this story, there's comfort. I don't know what it is when we see someone else's pain or struggle, there's times where we have comfort. And I think this is a great example of what we need to do with our pain from Jacob. As I was thinking through this, I thought of one other passage. It was Jesus in the garden, right before he was arrested and then crucified. He was with his disciples, his closest followers, trusted apprentices, the people that wanted to be like Jesus. Jesus, being 100% God, 100% man, was facing something none of us have had to face. And he had this Understanding it was God's will, his father's will, to die on a cross to save the world. And I don't know about you, but I've come to this passage a lot. There's something so honest. And I wanted to read this passage for you and then share some thoughts of this. So I'd like to read this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, he said these words, Jesus said these words, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't your 
men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Man, there's so much here. And again, just skimming the surface. Here's just a couple of thoughts from that passage. Jesus wrestled through his pain in prayer with God. Jesus had pain about what he had to do. Jesus had pain. Jesus faced his pain and shared his feelings with his disciples. Jesus was honest with his feelings in his prayer with God. Jesus went away and prayed three times with God. Jesus was consistent and continued to bring his pain to God. God did not, God did not take away Jesus' pain. God transformed the world through Jesus' pain. I don't need to tie this in a bow for you. I love for you to wrestle through things. I love for you to investigate more of this. I love for you to sit, allow this to marinate. This is deeper stuff. And it could bring up some stuff. So, where do we go from here? So what? What do we do with this? Where do we go from here? Well, I want to land the plane, at least for this week and for the weeks to come too. Where am I finding hope? Where am I finding hope? I'm finding hope. And what God will do as I face, as I'm facing my pain. Facing pain equals God's transformational hope. I'm with you on this. My pain is not gone. The pain in my life, I'm actually recognizing it's actually there. I want to run. I want to wear masks. I want to avoid at all costs. I'm with you. But guess what? As I slowly start to face, as I'm just facing the actual pain in my life, there's transformational hope. I want to share a little bit more about that in just a moment. But I have two questions for you. What if you decided to take off your masks and face your pain? What if there was more transformational hope God wanted to give you through your pain? What if? When I was a chaplain, there was a poem that we used as a team. And it is so 
important for us to kind of sit with that today. And so I asked my friend, Dan Wilson, to come up and share. He's just going to read this poem. It's The Mask That Hides is the name of it. So here's Dan. Dan's just going to read this for us. I give the impression that I'm secure, that all is sunny and unruffled within as well as without, that confidence is my name and coolness is my game, that the water's calm and I need no one, but don't believe me, please. My surface may seem smooth, but my surface is a mask. Beneath dwells the real me in confusion, in fear, and aloneness, but I hide this. I panic at the thought of my weakness and frantically create a mask to hide behind, to shield me from the glance that knows. Yet such a glance is precisely my salvation. I know it. If it's followed by acceptance and by love, it is the only thing that will assure me can't assure myself that I am worth something. But I don't tell you this. I don't dare to. I'm afraid. So I play my game, my desperate game, with a facade of assurance without and a trembling child within. And so begins the parade of masks, and my life becomes a front. I idly chatter to you, Surface and top of the head talk, saying nothing of what's crying within me. Please, listen carefully and try to hear what I'm not saying. What I'd like to be able to say. What for, for survival I need to say, but what I can't say. I dislike hiding, honestly really like to be genuine and spontaneous and me, but you've got to help me. You've got to hold out your hand, even when that's the last thing I seem to want. Each time you're kind and gentle and encouraging, each time you try to understand me because you care, my heart grows wings. Very small wings, very feeble wings, but wings. With your sensitivity and sympathy and your powers of understanding, you can breathe life into me. I want you to know that. You can help me to be creator of the person that is truly me if you choose to. You can break down the walls and release me from behind my mask, my shadow world of panic and uncertainty from my lonely self. Please don't pass me by. I may fight against the very help I need, but try to break down these walls with gentle hands of love and sympathy. Firm but gentle hands, for a child is sensitive. Who am I, you may wonder? I may be every man and every woman. powerful word that brings this focus and priority to the importance 
of those of us around. We have no idea what people are wrestling through. We have no idea the pain in people's lives. But I'm learning, as I face my pain, as you face your pain, you will open up more people around you. You'll create space. You will help people find rest. And most importantly, we will live love. That's why we talk about these things. There's depth to it. And so when I was on my silent retreat, as I heard day two, this, you have pain in your life, the very next day, the very next day, I'm in uh, Sunday Mass. It's Pentecost Sunday. We're welcoming the Holy Spirit. We're honoring the Holy Spirit. And there's a priest. We have a new priest every Mass. We have this priest that was really articulate, a great communicator, and he just stopped in the middle of Mass, came out to the congregation, all of us 40, and we had um, uh, families there with us. And he just put his hand up and said, it is not your job to complete the work God has started in you. It's not your job. It comes from the words of Paul. First, or, uh, Philippians 1.6, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. The minute I found the pain, started to notice it, there was hope. And ever since that, there's been more and more hope. I can tell you this. This might give me brownie points. But I've been married 23 years. Uh, she is a source of hope for me. And it only gets stronger. The 23 years she has to put up with me. Trust me, she's got to put up with a lot. I can be an idiot, okay? I'm saying that in kindness. I'm telling you, the minute you take this and face your pain, whatever that is, here's what I will say. I will guarantee you this. I don't know if God's going to give you a miracle and heal it. That's kind of like the hard thing in this church world is understanding why does God heal some and not others. But I guarantee you this. He will give you hope. And he will transform that pain someday. Without any doubt. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time to just be with each other, to be honest about our pain. Father, maybe uh, just people in this congregation, in this online or whatever, Father, maybe we haven't really even sat with our pain. Maybe we, like me, have avoided it at all costs. Father, I just pray right now your loving kindness upon us. I pray we would be brought back to your grace. I pray we'd be brought back to your love. I pray we would see what you did on the cross for all of us. You saved this world with one act. You used your pain to transform the world, and that's not stopping. You want to do that through us. 
And so, Father, may we connect, may we unite, may we feel your loving presence. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.